Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Kate O'Neill. Kate is the founder and CEO of KO Insights, a strategic advisory firm that's committed to improving human experience at scale through more meaningful and aligned strategy. Her clients have included the likes of Google, Adobe, IBM, Deloitte, Yale, the city of Amsterdam, and the United Nations. Here's a fun fact. Kate was one of the first 100 employees at Netflix. That is such a badge of honor. And one of the first digital strategy and analytics agency's heads, which is pretty cool. Didn't, didn't know you were in on that so early, Kate. Very awesome. She's been widely featured in the media, in outlets like the BBC, NPR, the Wall Street Journal, and Wired, just to name a few. And she's the author of five books, most recently, A Future So Bright, How Strategic Optimism and Meaningful Innovation Can Restore Our Humanity and Save the World. I am down for that. <laughs> Kate, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. What a great intro. Thank you so much. So welcome to I Wish They Knew. Tell us what you wish more people knew. Oh, I wish, especially from a leadership audience, which I know you have incredible leaders listening. I wish that leaders knew that digital transformation is not about or doesn't start with technology. It, it starts with people, purpose, and alignment. So digital transformation is not a digital process. It's, it's meaning and not machines. Yeah, that's a good way to put it too. Gee, I should have written that. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late. So, so I mean, that's a little counterintuitive. Uh, take us through that. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's very natural as an instinct that, you know, leaders pay attention to trends. And so they're reading newspapers and they're seeing what's talked about. But I think the next step from that flow is often that leaders will say, oh, you know, there's a, there's a new technology that I read an article about what's our strategy around that thing, right? I remember having a, a leader in an organization I worked for years ago, sort of slap a newspaper clipping down on my desk and go, cloud, that's the big trend. What's our cloud strategy? Oh, goodness. <laughs> we don't have a cloud strategy. <laughs> we have a strategy and perhaps cloud is going to be a good mechanism for us to deploy that strategy, but it's not a cloud strategy. And so I think that, you know, that sort of mentality gets reversed for people in many cases. And, and we need to, you know, sort of un, unscrew ourselves and, and pull ourselves back out of that thought tangle and start and orient it first toward making sure we really clearly understand what it is we're trying to do in our organization at scale, what it is we're about as an organization. And then thinking about the alignment of our resources to that problem? How are we prioritizing you know, the, the budget that we have, the people that we have, and how are we affording ourselves the opportunity to solve that problem or you know, create better experiences for people? Then we also need to be thinking about you know, breakthrough innovation. We absolutely need to be experimenting with what's coming down the pike, you know, absolutely staying informed about the tools and maybe having tag teams that are going out, tiger teams or whatever, playing around with these tools, but they need to be doing that from a place of how are we going to do this? How are we going to solve the problems of the organization? And it shouldn't be the tail wagging the dog. It shouldn't be about, oh, AI is the hot thing everybody's talking about, which clearly it is. 
So how are we going to change everything we're doing to, con to conform to AI right now? <laughs> So it's a steadier way of thinking about strategy. And I guess some of the things you mentioned, would that all fall under what you've called strategic optimism? It goes with that. I think one of the things about strategic optimism, as I talked about it in a future soap, right, is that we, we have a tendency to dwell on what could go wrong and make all these plans for, you know, how are we going to deal with this when it fails? How are we going to deal with you know, this part of the process not going the way we planned. And that's all super important, of course, but we rarely spend time on the other side of the equation. We rarely think about what's going to happen when this goes right and how will we build on that momentum? How will we keep the resources available that will actually, you know, keep things going when things do go right? So I think we, we un unwittingly undermine our own successes. Uh, by not having adequate preparation on that success side of the equation. And this is kind of related to it. I think it, we often think about like, well, no, what if we fall behind on AI instead of thinking about what if we're on the right track with what we're doing? And instead, how could we, we be making sure that we're investing in being smart about this and having it roll back up into what we already believe that we're on the right track and doing? Mm. Yeah, so it's not about chasing the bright and shiny <laughs> fad or trend. It's it's really about thinking more consciously about the things that matter, including the people. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my favorite stories from, you know, you mentioned in, in my intro about how I was one of the first hundred employees at Netflix. Great experience. It was a fantastic formative experience for me. Um, but I got to witness, it was during the time when, you know, Blockbuster was still a huge phenomenon, an 800 pound gorilla. And we were still an upstart, you know, nobody was really sure if we were going to emerge uh, even alive, let alone the victors in that battle. Um, but Reed Hastings and his leadership team were already investing money into what we were then calling set-top boxes, which was the predecessor to streaming as we knew it. But no one had that terminology yet. No one had that clear vision yet. It was very much led by this vision of we believe we're going to win this current day's battle and we know we need to be prepared for what comes next. That's strategic optimism. And that's also not letting today's technology guide what we're doing. It's happening there in the background. It's an R&D team. It's off there trying to figure out how do we succeed in the long run. And of course, most of the resources need to be aligned to the bigger problem of how are we going to get the most subscribers? How are we going to you know, solve today's experience challenges? How are we going to make these experiences of the customers that we acquire meaningful enough for them to actually come in and stay and tell their friends about our service. You wrote something in the book that stuck with me. Let me, let me pull it out here. So many of the reasons why digital transformations, strategic transformations and cultural transformations sputter, stall, or fail entirely is because they meet with human resistance to change on a personal level. So the companies that are getting digital transformation right, what are they doing differently? There's a, there's a really interesting human element to change management just across the board. It doesn't even have to be about technology, right? If you bring a new program into the organization, if you, uh, if you adopt a new motto or aspect of culture, people tend to, you know, there are people who tend to, you know, resist mightily. There are, most of us have, have some resistance to that. 
Um, you know, there are weirdos among us, myself, I think included, <laughs> who love it, who just thrive on, you know, oh, give me the new, I want to, I want to embrace the change, but it's rare. It's rare that you find that kind of weirdo in an organization. Most people are going to have some resistance. And so I think there's a certain amount of uh, owning that, that resistance and, and uh, acknowledging it and planning for it as a part of the process of introducing any kind of change, that is part of strategic optimism. It's saying, hey, what happens if, if we introduce this? And it's not going wrong or going right. It's just part of the normal course of how we're introducing a new program that there's gonna be resistance to it. Some of that resistance is very pragmatic. It's like, hey, our workflow and approvals process used to mean that Joe over there sent me this file and I signed off on it and sent it over there to Karen and you know whatever. And now you're telling me that Joe sends it right to Karen. What's my role then? I, I don't have a role in this anymore. And automation very much presents that challenge in many organizations. It makes people feel left out. It makes people feel like their value isn't as clear, like their contribution isn't as distinct. Uh, so it's really up to management and leadership to make it very clear how people are contributing and help people understand how it is, what it is we're working toward, You know what the larger goals are. I talked about Netflix having that goal of, you know, user growth and making sure we could acquire enough customers. Well, every department in that organization was very crisp about what metric it actually had that was contributing toward that central goal. Every organization should do this as well. Like really think about that central purpose that's driving the organization and then allow each leader, each department, each, you know, contributor to figure out how it's contributing to that larger goal. That's what really keeps people, incidentally, that's what keeps people loyal to organizations too. It's very much not about traditional commitment to an employer or to a boss or whatever. It's about commitment to an idea, to the purpose behind the work that's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the key to managing new change and, and new technology is by shifting that focus from what people stand to lose to what they stand to contribute and, and even get. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uniquely that the, what this brings about in terms of a new opportunity. And that's what's so exciting about, you know, when we introduce, when we meaningfully introduce automation and intelligent processes into work uh, processes, that it's it gives people the chance to augment what they're doing. It gives people the chance to, to think and, and discuss and communicate about, cool, that frees me up from having to do this routine thing that I used to do every month now how can I be part of this other conversation that's happening? How can I bring this part of our institutional knowledge over to that part of our institutional knowledge? And if we can really have that kind of candor and the communication that it takes to facilitate that, we stand to really gain some sophistication with the introduction of these tools instead of having people be fearful and clinging with you know the last last gasp of their uh, of their you know their strength to the little bits of of fiefdom that they have. Uh, so it's it's really an opportunity for leaders to be transparent and clear and communicating and helping people navigate through that process. Incidentally, it's not it's no small thing. And so there are people who really specialize in this. There are consultants who really specialize in change management. It's not a bad idea to engage them if you face that kind of thing in your organization. You've mentioned the word meaning a few times in, in this conversation. And I'm wondering, and maybe people out there are too, how do you suggest companies actually measure for that? I mean, it's it's not exactly a, you know hard data. No, it's not hard data, but it is really intrinsic to our experiences as humans. That's what I come back to a lot in my work that human experience fundamentally is about meaning. We're, we're wired for meaning. And 
in business, purpose is the shape that meaning takes. So when we think about what it is that organizationally we're set up to be able to do, that is purpose. That is what drives us. And when we think about how we're aligned with the kinds of experiences that we're creating outside or inside the organization, employee experience or customer experience, what we're trying to do is make those more meaningful. So the alignment between purpose inside the organization and, and for people who interact with the organization, that's what we can really, we can look at measures that are proxies of meaning. We can think about, you know, memorability when it comes to brand. Uh, when, you know, we might think about that example I gave about Netflix and user growth. We might think, well, if we know we need to measure user growth as a central metric, but what's going to dimensionalize that is what does retention look like? What does referral look like? Mm. What's our, you know, how are people talking about this to their friends? You know, those kinds of things are, are adding some color and nuance around the one metric we think really drives what we're trying to do. And it starts to give us some picture about what kinds of experiences are people having and how is this actually meeting the people that are driving our business forward? I like that answer. So, so look for meaning adjacent measures that, yeah. that can help you understand it. I love that. I love that. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned AI and like, like everyone else out there, I'm, I have a mix of fear and exhilaration around this uh, new technology. Tell me, uh, are you optimistic that we'll get it right? And if we do get it right, what's it going to take to get there? Yeah, I think fear and excitement is the right set of responses, <laughs> right? I am optimistic um, on some levels, and I also am uh, informed enough to be pessimistic about some things. I think that we're um, we stand to see incredible gains. We, I, you know, I I, uh, I see all kinds of opportunity within business for what AI can do. I also recognize um, the incredible uh, momentum toward short-sightedness and bias and perverse incentives and unintended consequences and the many, many ways that we can, uh, we accelerate things that we don't necessarily mean to accelerate. There are, there are decisions that sometimes get made in vacuums that, you know, people haven't necessarily thought all the way through. And then, you know, AI with its capacity and scale, like we've never seen before stands to make that just explode. So that, that worries me. Um, but as I wrote in A Future So Bright, as you know, I, I talk about the fact that when we look at, at the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, for example, as a roadmap for what it could look like to actually make business aligned with solving human problems at scale, and not in a necessarily non-for-profit way, in, in potentially for-profit ways that we say, you know, quality education, that aligns with plenty of for-profit businesses, you know, clean water aligns with plenty of for-profit businesses, any of those 17 goals. If we look at those and say, how could AI or other emerging technologies, exponential technologies, accelerate us on the path toward those goals, there are plenty of observable proofs of concept already in place that demonstrate how we could actually do that. And so I think that's incredibly encouraging. I'm optimistic about the potential for businesses to adopt those technologies in ways that actually could make human experiences far more meaningful and life on this planet better for everybody. The book is a future so bright and the author and my guest, she's pretty bright herself, is Kate O'Neill. Kate, Thank you for sharing your wish with us today. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, visit my website, 
joehirsch.me. See you next time.